All right. Well, it's already been a great night, but I know that God has more in store for us. Are you here to hear from God, to receive from God tonight? Yes? All right. Awesome. Let's just take a moment and pray. Let's open our hearts to God and just let's individually ask him to speak to us tonight. Father, we come before you and right now we just lay aside distractions. We lay aside the cares of life and the busyness of the day. God, we just lay it all at your feet. And right now, we fix our focus on you. And God, we're here to meet with you, to hear from you. And so we ask that you would speak to each and every one of us personally today what you want to speak into our lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, if you have been around Bridge Women here at all throughout this season, you know that our theme in this season is She Unites. And we know that unity is just so vitally important to the heart of God. The word of God gives us illustration after illustration of his body becoming one, us being forged together as one in in John chapter 17, Jesus even prayed for us, for everyone who would ever believe, and that includes us. He prayed for us that we would be united with each other in his body. It's so important to his heart because we are the ones through our unity who are going to reveal God to the world around us. Unity is so important to us. And I think it's so important that we talk about unity because have you ever noticed that sometimes unity is not so easy? Oh, maybe not. You've never noticed that. Has anyone ever gotten under your skin? Have you ever gotten a little annoyed with anyone? Yes? Okay. Sometimes unity can be a little challenging even amongst believers. Is that true? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes... You know, we can just feel like we're doing great and we're just, we're so on top of it and we are walking in unity. And then the littlest thing just throws us off track. Have you ever noticed that? I had that happen just this week. And just ignore my voice because it's doing whatever it wants to do right now. So it might sound a little weird, but that's okay. So this week I was reminded that um, sometimes I can just get off track with sowing unity into my relationships. And... One day this past week, I got up in the morning, and I just had this great quiet time with the Lord and spent time in his word and spent time praying and just felt like this spiritual giant and got ready. I was about to leave the house, and I was just going to get the dinner thrown in the crock pot before I headed out, and so I'm trying to put it all in, and there was this jar that I could not open, yeah, in a jar because... That day it was semi-homemade, okay? And so I was trying to get the jar open, and I was struggling and struggling. I used every single tool in the kitchen drawers. I could not get the thing open. I used towels. I, my hand was red and raw. I'm breaking out in a sweat. And about that time, my husband calls. And I must have answered the phone like, hello? <laughs> because the next words out of his mouth were, what's the matter? <laughs> can't get the stinking jar open. <laughs> and as sweet as he is, 
oh, honey, if I had known, I would have opened it for you before I left the house. Well, that really didn't bring me any comfort because I needed it open right then, and I couldn't get it open, and I was so frustrated. And so he's talking away, and I'm not sure what he was talking about. Hopefully it wasn't something too important because I can't remember at this moment. But I remember that I was, the whole time he's talking, I'm struggling and struggling trying to get this jar open. And you know how you bang a jar? Oh, he asked me, have you banged it? Have I banged it? Yes, I've banged it and banged it. It's all dented in. So as he's talking away, I'm banging and banging even more. And I mean, it's a miracle that jar didn't break because I banged it really hard. And then, you know what happened? It finally opened. Oh, relief, it finally opened. I was so excited. But then, as I got off the phone, I realized that in about 60 seconds time or less, that spiritual giant crumbled to the ground. <laughs> and that little conversation I had with my husband wasn't exactly a breath of unity building dialogue pouring into my marriage <laughs> and I had to stop and recognize and think oh oh my gosh what did I just do and laughed at myself and repented to God and said God I am so sorry I let a silly jar get me so frustrated and I took that frustration out on my poor sweet husband <laughs> And so I know that I, maybe not you, but I constantly need reminders to keep sowing unity into all of my relationships because it's so easy to let the littlest things throw us off and pour out frustration or other things into our relationships. And so we've been talking here in this season about all different types of relationships and how we can sow unity into those relationships, into difficult relationships, navigating family relationships and marriages and all different things. If you've missed any of them, you can always catch up with them on the podcast. But tonight, we are going to talk about the power of unity even in the midst of pain. Has anyone here ever experienced pain in life? I'm not talking about physical pain. I'm not talking about the pain of not being able to get the jar opened. I'm talking about hurt. I'm talking about some real challenges, some real difficulty, maybe even tragedy. You know, very often in these situations, our human nature wants to isolate, wants to withdraw. Maybe it hurts too much to talk to people. Maybe we're embarrassed and we don't want others to know what we're going through. Maybe we're afraid of what they'll think of us. I want to tell you tonight about a woman who I greatly admire. This is a woman who encountered some pain in her life. As a young girl, she got married at a very young age. And they decided to hold off on having their children to wait a little while. But after having been married for 10 years, her husband died. Think about the heartbreak for this young wife. Think about the grief that she was experiencing and mourning 
her husband. But you know, she also had to have been overwhelmed with every emotion imaginable. She had to have experienced anger, possibly feeling like her youth had been robbed from her. She had to have experienced loneliness, fear. Would she ever marry again? Would she ever have a family? She had to have experienced confusion. What's going to happen now? What's my next steps? What do I do now? She could have easily felt like a victim of life's circumstances. Maybe you can relate. Have you ever experienced any of those emotions? Maybe different circumstances, but maybe you've experienced that hurt, the pain, the fear, confusion, felt like a victim of circumstances. I want to tell you, when she may have felt like her life was over, this young woman saw God's faithfulness in such miraculous ways. And tonight, we are going to learn from some of the things that she did to usher in his faithfulness into her life. Because those very same things will open the door to God's faithfulness and to his miracle working power in our lives today. And this woman that I'm talking about, her name is Ruth. And her story is found in the book of Ruth in the Bible. You may be familiar with her story. And if you've got your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to the book of Ruth. Ruth was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And Naomi had been married to a man named Elimelech. And they were from Bethlehem. They had two sons. But in Bethlehem, a severe famine broke out. And so they had to move to another place. So they relocated to Moab. They moved there. And after they settled in Moab, Elimelech died. And so here's Naomi, a widow with her two sons in a foreign land. And both sons married women from Moab. And one of them married a girl named Orpah, and the other one married a girl named Ruth. And then 10 years after they were married, both of the brothers, both of Naomi's sons died. Ruth wasn't the only one dealing with tragedy and grief and pain. Orpah had also lost her husband and Naomi. She had lost her husband years earlier, and now she's lost both of her sons. So here they are, dealing with such pain in their lives, trying to figure out what to do, where to go from here. And Naomi heard that there was no longer a famine in Bethlehem. And so she decided to return to her homeland. And her daughter-in-laws started to go with her. And look what it says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but on the way, Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. She didn't want them to feel obligated to go with her. 
And Orpah, it says, returned to Moab, returned to her family. But it says that Ruth clung to Naomi. And then look at what it says, starting in verse 15. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Even in her pain, even in that time of mourning and incredible grief, Ruth made a very courageous decision. Ruth chose to unite her life with Naomi. Now, many of us have heard this story many, many times, but I want us to stop and really think about what that meant. What was entailed in that decision? What did that mean to unite her life with Naomi? You see, she chose Naomi's city instead of her own, instead of Moab, which was the only place she'd ever known. It was the only place that was familiar to her. It was the only place that was comfortable to her. And instead of all of the comforts and familiarity of home, she chose to go to a place that was foreign, that she'd never been, that she had no idea what to expect. And then she chose Naomi's people, people who she had never, ever met. Do you realize what that means? That means she was leaving her family, leaving the people who would have probably cared for her, taken her in, helped provide for her. This meant leaving her friends, her peers. It meant leaving her sister-in-law, Orpah. The two of them could have been close friends, could have said, let's go back. Let's find husbands together. Let's start families together. Let's grow old together, raising our children together. But no, she said no to all of her family and friends. And then she chose Naomi's God. By choosing to go with Naomi, she chose her God. She was choosing to follow God. And we have to understand that Ruth would have only known about God through Naomi's life because Moab was considered a very worldly city, a place that served false gods. She would have only known about God through Naomi. And I want us to notice a few other things about this very brave decision that Ruth made. By uniting her life to Naomi, Ruth bridged a generational gap. You see, God-ordained connections are not always with our peers. The Bible says that older women are to teach younger women. It is the plan of God that women, sisters in the body of Christ, are connected generationally. That's why I love having our Bridge Youth Girls here at Bridge Women. God intended for us to be connected generationally. We need each other. 
So she was willing to make that generational connection. And another thing, she refused to give in to the things that her flesh would have wanted. She was a fleshly human being just like you and me. And when we go through tragedy, when we go through difficulty and pain, our flesh so often wants to isolate, but she refused to isolate. We can't afford to isolate, ladies. We talk about it so many times here. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all sound wisdom. It's our own fleshly desire to isolate, but it goes against all godly wisdom. God's plan is that we're connected. So she refused to isolate. She refused to sit and have a pity party. She refused to live under a cloud of shame. She could have so easily been too embarrassed to go to a new place as this young widow. What will they think of me? She could have lived under a cloud of shame. She refused to take on a victim mentality. You know, when we take on a victim mentality, we want to go to everybody rehashing over and over what happened to us so they'll feel sorry for us, so that they'll help us. So often that victim mentality tries to get others to help take care of us and do things for us. Ruth refused that victim mentality. A victim mentality only paralyzes us and prevents us from walking forward into the future God has for us. And Ruth was ready and willing to walk into her future. She refused a victim mentality. She knew that this was a God-ordained connection. And her choice indicated that she had a sense that her future and her purpose was attached to her connection with this woman. Ruth's choice to unite her life with Naomi is what opened the door for God's faithfulness and his miraculous power to be poured into her life. Never, ever underestimate the power of godly connections in your life. Choosing godly connections, choosing this godly connection with Naomi changed everything in Ruth's life. See, when she walked away from her worldly surroundings, her worldly city, from people, even family and friends who didn't serve God, and she chose to follow God and connect her life with another godly woman. Let's watch and see what happened as a result. Because three very miraculous things happened in this story after Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem. I want us to look at the result of that very courageous choice that Ruth made. Here they are with nothing. These two women who have experienced such heartache and pain with nothing. Ruth's here in a foreign place, not knowing anyone else. But she's refusing to be a victim and expecting others to take care of her. So she goes out into the field to gather grain for food for herself and for Naomi. Now, this was a dangerous thing for young women to do in that day. It was a dangerous place for them to be. 
because there were others already working in those fields who would have felt like she's cutting in on their portion. Who is this stranger? We don't know her. She's not from around here. She could have gotten herself into a very difficult situation. And it was common that women in the fields were raped by men harvesting in the fields. She was in a dangerous situation, but she found herself in a field that was owned by Boaz, a relative of Elimelech, her father-in-law. And when Boaz discovered who she was, this is what he said in Ruth chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. The first thing I want us to see here is that Ruth experienced God's protection. You know, when we're facing difficulty, when we're going through a challenge, we can be really vulnerable. When we're in a place of pain, we can be vulnerable, and we need protection. We need protection from the lies of the enemy, because so often when we're in that vulnerable place, that's when the enemy is right there to bombard our minds with his lies. We need protection from shame because the enemy would love nothing more than to get us to live under that cloud of shame. We need protection from stepping into the traps of the enemy. He'd love to get us to pick up offenses when we've been hurt. An offense is nothing more than a trap of the enemy. He'd, he'd love to get us making unwise poor, ungodly decisions. We need protection from all of these things. You see, Ruth never would have found her place of protection if it wasn't for her connection with Naomi. She never would have been in Bethlehem. She never would have been in Boaz's field if it wasn't for her connection with Naomi. Godly connections bring godly protection into our lives. Therefore, we can also say that ungodly connections can pull us out from under God's protection. I can personally attest to that. In my life, if I look back when I was young and wanting to hang out with some kids that I thought were really cool, but they were not serving God, and I thought, oh, I want to be one of the cool kids, so I'm going to hang out with them, and I got into trouble, and I made stupid decisions, and I got out from under God's protection, but I can also attest to the protection that comes when we're surrounded by godly people godly friendships, godly connections, because we keep each other in check and online and in line. And when one says something that they're thinking, the other one can jump right in and say, that's a stupid lie from the enemy. What are you doing? Believe in that. Get rid of that lie right now. We help keep each other on course. We need each other. Godly connections, godly friendships bring protection into our lives. The second thing is that Ruth experienced God's provision. 
Look at what it says in Ruth 2, starting in verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. And then skip down to verse 21, it says, Then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Ruth experienced God's provision. When we are facing difficulty in our lives, we need God's provision, don't we? It might be in the form of needing wisdom. It might be in the form of needing answers and direction. It might be material needs. But we need God's provision. And Ruth never would have experienced this amazing provision if it wasn't for her connection with Naomi. Godly connections bring godly provision in our lives. And again, I can personally attest to that. At the most difficult time of my life, when I was going through such a hard time and had faced tragedy and had great lack in my life and was definitely in need, I saw God bring and pour provision into my life through people around me. But I want to tell you, it doesn't happen when we are looking for people to be our source. God wants to be our source. He doesn't want us to look to people to be our source. Remember what Ruth did? She did not expect Naomi to provide for her. She never looked to Naomi to be her source. Ruth set out to provide for Naomi. She went into the field to provide for Naomi, and God ended up blessing them both incredibly. God will bring provision into our lives. We just need to keep our eyes on him, stay connected with godly people, and he will find the way to pour it into our lives. All right? The third thing is that Ruth experienced God's purposes unfolding in and through her life. You know, very often in the face of difficulty, we can easily begin to question God's purposes, can't we? Sometimes we just have a hard time seeing them. We feel like things are falling apart. It, does God really have a purpose for me? Am I ever going to get there? Am I ever going to walk into that? We can become discouraged and question God's purposes, but godly connections will always lead us and help usher us into 
God's purposes. Look at Ruth chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, so Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. Woohoo! It's a love story. They got married. Yay! <laughs> and then it says, when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore to your youth, restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last, Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. What a picture of healing and restoration as Ruth marries again after all she'd been through, not knowing if she would ever marry again, and then having a child, having wondered if she would ever have a child, but having a child that brought such great joy to her life, but not just brought joy to her. That child brought healing and restoration to Naomi as well, who had lost both of her sons. Ruth, who had faced pain and tragedy as a young woman, found God's purposes unfolding in her life because this son would become the grandfather of King David and therefore part of the lineage of Jesus. God chose Ruth to be part of the lineage of Jesus. He had a plan and a purpose for her even when she couldn't see it in the midst of her pain. God had it all orchestrated, but she had the choice to make. Wow, what if she had never chosen to unite her life with Naomi? Wow, what would have happened sometimes in the midst of our pain? in the midst of challenges and things we're dealing with, we can make decisions that aren't God's best. Sometimes we connect ourselves with other people who are going through pain so that we can commiserate with each other, but they're not on the same page with God. You know, she could have done that with Orpah, but Orpah went back. She was choosing to go back to other gods. She could have stayed. They could have commiserated with each other and had a pity party with each other. But she made a really brave, courageous choice to unite her life with Naomi. And when she did, she walked into all of the blessings that God had for her. She walked into his protection, his provision, and his purposes. Whatever challenges you are going through in life, God is with you. 
And he wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to lead you into his purposes and his fullness and all that he has for you. But it doesn't just happen automatically. We have a part to play. We have choices to make. God does not wave a magic wand over our lives. He is faithful in response to us. He's faithful in response to us choosing to follow him and walk in his ways and allow our lives to be connected with other godly people along the way. So often I hear Christians say, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm just one of those really independent people, and I'm good. I love God, but I just don't need other godly relationships. I don't need other godly friendships. I don't really have time for it. I'm good. I want to ask you, how does God work on the earth today? He works by his spirit. And where does his spirit dwell? In believers. He works by his spirit through people. So when we say we don't need godly relationships, we don't need friendships with other believers, we are pushing away God's blessings. We are pushing away what he wants to do in our lives. The word says where there is unity, it's talking about godly unity, that's where God commands his blessings. Ladies, when we choose to unite our lives with others, we will experience God's blessings in our lives. This last week, I was reminded of a friend that I knew years ago, and she was just such a, a beautiful young girl. She was married. They were like the picture-perfect couple. They had three beautiful young children, a lovely home. He was on staff at a church as an assistant pastor. She served alongside him in ministry. It appeared that they had picture-perfect life. But then things started to change, and she started to withdraw and separate herself from people. And over time, it came out that there were a lot of things, very tragic, painful things in her past and her upbringing that had been undealt with, that she had not found healing for. And she was surrounded by a loving husband, by godly people all around her that wanted nothing more than to help her, that tried everything they could to help her. But she pushed everyone away. She refused to connect with any other believers. Over a period of time, she ended up choosing to live on the streets, fell into a drug addiction, no longer even wanted to see her children. She continued in this downward spiral, devastating her family, devastating her future. And she could have had such a different ending if only she would have chosen to embrace godly connections that were all around her, that were reaching out to her. But she pushed 
them all away, rejected them all, and it caused her life to go into complete turmoil. You see, God-ordained connections are vital. We can never underestimate their power in our lives. They are vital to living the blessed and thriving lives that God desires for us to live. So tonight, before we conclude, I want to ask you some questions that I want you to really think about personally for yourselves, okay? I want to ask you, are you open to the connections God has for you personally? Are you too busy for the connections God has for you? Do you push away godly relationships because of fear or shame? Are you too entangled with other connections, other relationships to make room for godly relationships? Maybe too entangled with coworkers or other students or other friends, people who may not even know God? Now you might be thinking, aren't we supposed to have relationships with non-believers? Yes, absolutely, so that we can be a light shining the light of Jesus to them, pointing them to Jesus. But the people who speak into our lives, the people who will find purpose and destiny with as believers will always be other believers. So let me ask that question again. Are you too entangled with other relationships to make room for godly relationships? Are you afraid of godly connections because they just might cause you to let go of things in your life that you're not ready to let go of yet? Now, let me ask you something different. Do you want to walk in God's protection, provision, purposes, and all that he has for you? If your answer to that question is yes, then just maybe it's time to make some adjustments to more fully embrace the relationships with other godly women that God has for you. It's not just about having godly friends, other Christian friends, which is great, but there will also be some divine or God-ordained connections that will lead you into his purposes for your life. You see, God will bring godly women into your life who may be a little bit further along in the journey, maybe a lot further, a lot further along. Women who can teach you things in the ways of God. Maybe they're older or maybe they're similar in age but just been walking with God longer and are really solid in a relationship with him. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. You know, in this place at Bridge Women, you are surrounded by other believers, by other godly women here tonight. 
We need to be willing to open our hearts and lives to each other. One thing I love about this story is that Ruth took the initiative with Naomi. See, often younger women wait for an older woman to take the initiative to, into their lives. People aren't going to force themselves on us. Naomi did not force herself on Ruth. Ruth is the one who stood up, who made that very brave decision. So we should take note and follow her example that we can be courageous. We can take the initiative. I believe God wants us to take the initiative in connecting with godly women, not sitting back waiting for them to connect with us. So invite a woman to coffee. Maybe there's a woman that you've watched her life and you're admiring how she follows God and you feel like you can learn from her. Take the initiative. Invite her to coffee. Ask her to share her story with you, how she came to the Lord. Learn from her life. Open your heart. Share with her something you're going through. Ask her for some godly wisdom and advice. As we do this, as we initiate relationships, we will discover those God-ordained relationships, those divine connections that he really wants us to walk alongside. And then pursue those, invest in those relationships. Remember, Ruth always added to Naomi's life. She never drew from her life. She never expected anything from Naomi. And in Proverbs 31, it says we are to add to, not to detract from others' lives. We should be ones adding value to others. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know what I would have to add to someone. Maybe you're newer in the Lord or you're young and you're thinking, I don't know what I could add to an older woman's life. Are you kidding? By spending time, by listening to their story, by learning from them, you are adding value to their life. And that means so much. We need to take the initiative, and we need to add to others' lives. Ladies, when we follow God and unite our lives with other godly women, we will open the door for God to do the miraculous in our lives. So much of what he's wanting to do is through other people. Ruth, in the face of pain and tragedy, had no idea what God had in store down the road. But choosing that godly connection with another woman led her right into all of it. Let's learn from her example. Let's be women that don't push away godly connections, but choose to embrace them, that choose to go after them and initiate them. And let's just see what God will do in our lives. All right? I want to pray for you tonight. Father, God, you know each and every woman here personally. You know each one by name. You know every detail of their lives. God, you know where we might have some walls up towards people, towards relationships. God, you know where we've been hurt and have withdrawn. 
And God, I am asking right now that all across this room, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to women in this place. And God, that you would show them where they need to make adjustments, that you would show them the value of godly connections with other godly women. And God, that you would help each one of us to open our hearts more and to embrace those relationships more fully. And Father, I just pray that you'd give us the courage to initiate those relationships, to step out and begin to initiate new friendships, godly friendships with women we can learn from and grow with. And then, Father, I pray that where there are those divine connections, those certain people that you have ordained for us to unite our lives with where there's purpose and destiny attached to those relationships. God, I pray that you would show us and that you would help us to unite our lives together so that we can experience all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We praise you, Father, for working in and through our lives through relationships. Ladies, while your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to ask in this place, you know, when Ruth chose to follow Naomi, she was choosing to follow Naomi's God also. And that's the first step. It's by choosing to follow God, surrendering our life to him. And maybe you're here in this place tonight and you've never had your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to him. We always want to give an invitation. We never want to miss an opportunity for someone to find relationship with God because it is the greatest relationship imaginable. He's the one who created you. He's the one who has designed you for the purposes that he has for you. He's the one who wants to walk out every day with you. And the Bible says if we just believe that Jesus is the son of God and we ask him to be the Lord of our lives, we will be saved saved from our independent living, trying to do it all on our own, but also saved from the punishment of our sins so that we can spend eternity in heaven with him. When we surrender our lives to him, we can have that assurance of spending eternity with him. So if you are here tonight and you, like Ruth, want to make a very brave and courageous choice. And tonight say, yes, I want to follow God. Or maybe you've gotten off track and you say, yes, I want to get my life back on track and I want to follow God with all my heart. Either one of those things, I want to pray for you tonight. We're going to all pray together. But you know, Ruth made that courageous choice, and I want to ask you to do something very courageous in this place tonight. If that is you, you want to start a relationship with God, or you want to get back on track with him, would you just lift your hand as a brave, just sign to God, nobody's looking around, just lift your hand really high in this place. Awesome. Keep them raised for a moment. Okay, fantastic. You see those hands? You can put them down. Awesome.
Let's all pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are my Father, that you love me, that you sent Jesus to die for me. And so right now, I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. I'm going to stop living independently of you. I'm choosing to live in relationship with you. Help me to grow in relationship with you every day from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we welcome new women into God's family?